Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another podcast with a friend that I've I've run into many times over, at least on online, but I've run into in the jungles of Costa Rica, I've run into in many different contexts, but uh, I've always been a fan of your work, always been a fan of, of what you stand for, uh, but more importantly, how you stand for it, right? It's one thing to say that you uh, care about the environment, to care about sustainability. It's another to like push that to the limit. And I would say that you have definitely inspired me and many others around the globe to consider the impact that everyday people have on the environment. Everyday people have in terms of consumption, everyday people have in terms of what they're doing. So um, for some of you, uh, Rob Greenfield is not a stranger. He is uh, has made a ton of videos online. He's definitely gone viral multiple times over for whether it be dumpster diving or biking across America or wearing your trash uh, for 30 days in New York City and living like an average person. But most recently, and this is something I have not talked to you about, uh, you spent a year literally living off of food you either foraged or grew. Is that correct? That's right. Tell me more about, you know, who you are, what you do, what you love, um, and tell me more about this year. I mean, that's that's a serious amount of time to invest in um, in what I consider to be a pretty pretty powerful feat um, in in America. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's nice to be here, sitting in cold Montreal with you. <laughs> I had no idea you were you were making it out, it but I'm happy you're there. It was very last minute. I was not planning on coming here. Mm-hmm. I was invited to do a. Uh, little talk show and I was already going to New York. So I decided to pop up to New- Montreal. I took the train up. Amazing. Yeah. So, um, I just finished, yeah, one month ago. What's today? The 11th? The 12th? The 12th? 13th. No, oh, Friday the 13th. Yeah, Friday 13th. <laughs> so on, on November 11th, so one month ago, I finished my year of growing and foraging all my food. Mm-hmm. So that means for an entire year, no grocery stores, no restaurants, nothing packaged, nothing processed, nothing shipped long distances, not even vitamins, no, you know, for the entire year, nature was my garden, my pantry, and my pharmacy, even my medicine. Wow. Literally everything that went past these lips for the year, I either had to grow in my gardens or go out into nature, mm-hmm. as we call it, and and harvest it. Mm-hmm. And it was quite the it was quite the year. It was I would say maybe the most beautiful year of my adult life. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I mean, how you're doing that? First of all, where did you get the idea of doing this? And I, obviously, I know you're no stranger to you know, I don't want, I don't want to cheapen it by saying the word stunts, but by yeah. doing something that you know is going to get a lot of publicity and then kind of start a conversation. Yeah. You've done many of these different things before. Um, I think probably some of the more viral content is you just going into different dumpsters behind yeah. a, either a grocery store or just wherever it is and yeah. just finding, look how much food is expired and look how much food is thrown out yep. with all the packaging and all the things that go with that. Um, but what what kind of inspired you to say, you know what, I'm capable of doing this. I feel like, you know, this is a big challenge. And, you know, it's one thing to do it for a month. It's another to do it for 12. Yeah. What what insp- inspired all of that? Well, I guess, you know, the dumpster diving plays a role. I mean, basically, if we rewind to 2011, eight years ago, that's when I woke up to the wor- the reality of the world that I lived in. I lived in this sort of blissful way where I didn't 
have any realization that my actions as an individual affected the world. Mm -hmm. I was just living my life, you know, consuming whatever I needed, buying whatever I wanted, doing whatever I wanted, and not thinking about how my actions affected um, other people on the other side of the world, other species, and just the in the world as a whole. We call it nature, but of course, nature, mm -hmm. we are nature, nature is us. So just the world, how my actions affected it. And basically, I, I woke up by watching documentaries, reading books, and I just realized that every single thing that I was doing was causing destruction to the world. The food I was eating, the car I was driving, the cheap junk that I was buying, the trash that I was making, even the water that I was drinking was being pumped across the desert from Arizona to San Diego and was evaporating into the desert to get mm. to me. So I just realized almost everything that I was doing was causing destruction. But the big one was food. All of us, most all of us eat at least three times per day. For a lot of us, it's 10 to 20 times a day. Snacks I know me and, yeah. eating all the time. Mm -hmm. It's the center of our lives. It's the center of our social lives, our health, our mm -hmm. existence. Mm -hmm. Food has created our culture as we know it to a large extent. And so for me, I always come back to food as the great, it's many things. It's the great destroyer of the world because all 7 billion people eat. Not all 7 billion people fly, mm -hmm. but all 7 billion people eat. But it's also the great equalizer in the sense that because everybody eats, it's one of the greatest ways to get people to self-reflect on their own lives because food is us. Mm -hmm. It's very democratized. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So basically, you know, one of the early projects was dumpster diving. That's where I learned about the, the food waste system and how we waste half of our food I learned that I could live completely off of the waste of our globalized, industrialized food system, which was great. I could not support those systems, not spend any money, and get to eat like a king. Mm -hmm. And that was powerful. But I wanted to actually see if I could step away from that system completely and have a different kind of power. Power of, is it possible to exist in 2018, 2019, the 21st century, without these systems. Mm -hmm. And that's when I decided, you know, a day isn't really a month enough. A month would be meaningful, but it was like not enough. So I decided a year, if I could do an entire year without those systems, you know, really producing my own food, then that would be an immersive enough project where I could really see if, if it's possible. Mm -hmm. And what did you find? How did like, I mean, tell me about the experience. Like, you know, I think there's um, something to be said about you know, there's lots of challenges with what people talk about food deserts and the things that go with that, right? In particular, in low-income housing areas, there's challenges that say, well, there's no Whole Foods in my hometown because we're not rich enough or our community isn't rich enough to deserve one, quote unquote, right? Yep. There's all these things that people say um, get in the way of having that healthy lifestyle. There's It's cost prohibitive in some cases, right? Eating organic or eating certain things yeah. might be more expensive than obviously eating the cheaper foods that you see at the dollar menu or whatever. But what did you come out with as some of the lessons and some of the, the takeaways that you had from, from actually living this lifestyle? Yeah, there's no doubt that our food system is not just. You know, our food system focuses on profit. So they're going to go where they can make money. And that's from affluent you know, people. So they're less, they're not going to service the people that are in lower income scenarios that, you know, result in being food deserts. 
that's why I want to step away from that system and, you know, try to empower people also to step away from that system and take power back from big ag and these corrupt, unjust systems. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think for me, one of the things that I really like to get people thinking about, I, you know, I really focus, I do these extreme stunts, as you said, that are designed to really grab attention. But the whole idea is really to get us to zoom way out on our lives and 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 really deeply look at the institutions, the systems that we're a part of, and ask, are these serving us mm-hmm. the way that, that they're, they should be? And is it serving ourselves, our communities? Mm-hmm. So for me with this project, um, that, you know, that was a big part of it. And the idea is not that I want anybody to grow and forage all of their food. It's just about thinking, does food have to be monetized? A lot of people have never looked at food in any other way than in the aisle of a grocery store, mm-hmm. uh, buying it with money. And I've seen, you know, just planting, plant, planting a garden in a front yard or planting fruit trees in a public place. Mm-hmm. For some people, that's the first time they've ever realized that food can be growing freely and abundantly all around us and that it doesn't have to be monetized and it. And it literally just grows, it just literally grows for free from air, soil, water, sun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I have to put myself in that camp. You know what I mean? I, I Seven, eight years ago now, I walked out in the middle of a GMO corn and soy field and planted a tree. But that was the first time I ever did that. Yeah. I had never planted anything in my life. Food for me came from the fridge <laughs> and from the f- further than the fridge it came from iga which is the local grocery store here mm-hmm. or whatever right but and, and i say local meaning a chain grocery store right and realistically where it comes from there is guatemala or avocados from uh, california or water from this place or that place like there's all these these systems that brought this essentially privilege to us mm-hmm. and it's the first time in history that you know, we've really been able to move away from like a job perspective or a time perspective away from the rural kind of farm life into this urban and even more so privileged suburban life where everything is just delivered at kind of arm's length. And now go to the layers further, Amazon is delivering, you know, within 24 hours, you'll get whatever you want in the world delivered to you. I mean, we're in this system that obviously cannot sustain for all. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and I think people are shocked to know, and I think it's becoming more well-known now, that um, the food that they eat requires a ton of water, requires and, and, and cuts down a ton of rainforest, particularly in, in the Amazon rainforest, or has many dire consequences to it. But I don't believe still to this day that we know what we can do about it. Yeah. I think a lot of people have watched Cowspiracy. I think a lot of people have watched forks over knives or some one of one of these Netflix documentaries or whatever it is that talk about some of these different issues. And I think some people are like looking to move away slowly from yeah. certain things like, okay, let no more plastic straws. Let's save the turtles or no more little, you know, there's details of, of how people are kind of getting there. But in the end, systematically we were set up to fail. Yeah. It's- right. Like people go out, yeah, you can get the food at a restaurant delivered to you on a plate, but realistically it came in packaging before it got cooked. And you know what I mean? Like there's many, 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 many layers of single use plastics, of inefficient systems. And then to know that 
most of the food that ends up on our grocery shelves, even from there, gets thrown out. Yeah. I mean, how do we... Do you feel like we're actually like this this impact is being had that we are actually moving in the direction of this self-empowerment? Like I I sometimes feel a large amount of apathy. And I can imagine that for somebody like you who really takes it to another level, that there's that internal struggle of being like, fuck, is this really is this really working? Yeah. So I mean, for me personally, I I don't think apathy is something that I almost ever feel. Mm. The reason why is because I actually don't look at 100 years from now. I don't look at 200, 500 years from now. I think about those things, but I focus on now. I focus on what I can do as an individual to improve quality of life around me. So during my time in Orlando, I, I helped plant 200 community fruit trees that are fruit trees that are freely available for anybody to pick from, you know, along the sidewalk, medians, in people's front yards, public parks and such. Mm-hmm. Those will be no produ- permits, right? Just just go there, plant it, make it happen. Yeah, except we only pick places that strategically we're pretty certain those trees are going to, to stay continue and not get cut on. down or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. So the point is is that in a few years time those are going to be producing fruit it's mm-hmm. going to be delicious and nutritious fruit that can improve people's quality of life at the same time can get them outside of the mindset that they are dependent upon corporations and it can beautify communities it can bring people together by having shared resources mm-hmm. so the idea is that that's something that can improve the quality of the world around me immediately and at the same time if humanity was able to overcome the massive global crises that we're in Planting fruit trees is a part of the long-term strategy for climate change. Mm -hmm. So the way that I design things is I don't do things that need 30 years to take to have their positive impact. I design it so that it's going to have its positive impact now and I can see that. What that does is that empowers me. It makes me short it makes me successful in the short term and allows me to feels your ambition or your your hope in, in the entire process. Yeah. And then for me personally, I mean, to answer that question, I don't think that humanity is going to solve all of these problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just, that doesn't make me feel bad. And it doesn't make me feel depressed because I can't control that. I can, I can only control how I live today, taking responsibility for my actions and doing my best to inspire positive action in other people, whether it's politicians way up at the top or just the people walking, you know, down the street or through the park with me that day. Mm. You must be starting to get invited to the conversation with different people at different scales as well, right? Like given what you've done and given that you've built a reputation, basically a career out of this at at this point, it seems, um, it's kind of your job to tell the story. It's become your like you you've evangelized something that at the end of the day you realize you're a part of the problem and now you're saying hey what can I do to be a part of the solution, and you must see kind of goodwill flowing through different layers of of government or different yeah. layers of institutions or different layers of this. What is the conversation that you're having on that front? Like what uh, as the city of Orlando, for example, come up to you and say, you know what, we would love to get more fruit trees in the ground, like. Are you starting to see systemic change around you or are you starting to be invited to kind of, I don't know, 
speak at that make plans that support those different things i mean like i i always thought that there would be more of that you know having started valhalla and having kind of participated in these things i always thought that there would be more of that conversation that would come to fruition over time but you know lawrence who's behind the camera here and i went to the paris climate talks at one mm. point right and the paris climate the famous paris climate agreement was signed and at cop 21 and mm. all the things that went on with that and when i remember feeling there is that it was just all talk yeah yeah it was just all nonsense like it it's the green. entire thing felt like it was just yeah self-masturbatory pat on the back that says we're trying to do something and yeah. i'm not trying to say that there's no impact or funds that eventually move to different things but it, it all just feels i don't know it feels fruitless it feels like politics yeah. and not direct action and not actual impact yeah i personally don't get involved in those scenarios because there's so much greenwashing and there's so much people building their own careers to get elected or get reelected. Mm -hmm. i work with smaller municipalities sometimes like you know i've planted fruit trees in parks in city parks where the the mayor of the local town comes to us and says we want to be a part of this mm. they come to me and i'm like great but i never go to the city because I know most of the time that either A, it's going to take months or years of getting through these red tapes, or that I'm going to actually just come into this situation where they're really just trying to, it's so much of it's image-based, it's, it's PR. Like what Greta Thunberg is basically tramping, like running around the world doing it in some ways. I really, Yeah, I don't know what to say about that. I, it's a tough one, right? It is. I don't know. I mean, once something is that big, it's hard to really know what's going on. It's, I mean, I, like, look, do I think that she's a government shill? No. I yeah. think she's a kid who went out and started protesting and did did whatever thing. I don't, I don't think there's a giant conspiracy around how she got into it. Yeah. Do I know that, like, the premier or the, the prime minister of Canada stands on a stage next to her. And that's really good PR for him. That oh, makes him feel PR. like that makes yeah. him feel like, Oh, we're our government's responsible. And yep. at the back on the back end of things, they're signing deals for pipelines. Yeah. Like yeah. that, that's where the, the gray zone starts to fall. It's like, she made one of the, the she's making the largest climate March, continuous climate March happening every freaking freak of Friday, probably happened today Crazy. somewhere and somewhere in the world, probably yeah. in Europe. But the, the idea of like, that is happening all the time, but she, and she's mobilizing. And, you know, there was one here in Montreal, it was a half a million people. And, and somebody asked me like, well, why didn't you go? And I said, cause I, I said, look around the climate march just ended. All I see is signs that were, that were, yeah, beautiful signs, nice messages. They all say save the planet, but the signs are on the car curb right now. Yeah. And all, everyone finished the climate march and went to a bar and, and, or to a restaurant and just, essentially perpetuated this system because that's and i understand like i'm not i'm not judging people for eating a restaurant it's, fuck I, how many times i ate a restaurant i ate one yeah. last night with my brother's friend's restaurant but the the idea of of all of these things kind of happening it's so difficult for me to get involved in any of it other than things that literally put trees in the ground yeah. or feet and boots on the soil that say I'm ready to do the work. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I think that protesting is needed, but I think we have an over... We're saturated. We're, we're doing too much of... We're doing not too much of that, but we need to match it with more action. Mm -hmm. We need like showing 500,000 or a million people in the streets or even 10,000 in the streets. It shows that, enough, that people care. 
it shows the desire. But we, the thing is, you know, in the United States, you can't march down the streets and demand for action from our current government. We know our current government's not going to do it. So it's really short-sighted to be putting all of our energy into asking the government to change. If mm -hmm. you have a half million people that walk down the street together and then they all go do things together, then that could create, we could be creating insane systemic change. I mean, if we took those 500,000 people that put in two hours that is 1 million hours of time. And if mm -hmm. that 1 million hours of time went into urban farms, like starting small community unreal. gardens, we're talking about, or, or planting fruit trees. We could be planting millions of fruit trees to take power back from big ag. Uh, so in, two, in two hours. It's amazing what we could do at that time. But that's the challenge of our current movement is that, well, unfortunately, I would say, a vast, vast majority of the movement does not go very deep. It is cool signs that say polar bears won't have a, a, <laughs> a winter. planet. Save our planet. Yeah, and it's yeah, like, yeah. I get totally. it, but we have to go so much deeper. And that's, that's the challenge is that a lot of people don't want to go as deep as we need to go, but we need to go really deep past the greenwashing, past the black and white, mm -hmm. you know, thought patterns and really realize that everything is highly complicated and intricate and needs like deep thinking and and diverse solutions there is no there's no one solution yeah no totally. yeah it yeah. really depends on where you are too right like there's different different countries different areas different cities have different problems i think that you know what uh, what works for i don't know building a community garden in uh in socal is not going to be the same thing you can do in the cold winters of montreal like yeah. you have to invest in different ways and 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 i believe that in some ways, like I, I do believe that to make an omelet, you have to crack some eggs. Like, you know, we were just having, we were just talking right before this about one of the best uses of fossil fuels is in probably season extending mm. in making like hooped greenhouses and, you know, plastic covered greenhouses that allow us to make way more production of food and be way more sustainable because we can have maybe two crops or have way more food be produced in a particular area that for some parts of the year becomes a full total food desert. Yeah. And the capacity for changing the narrative is something I think you've done a very good job at. And, and I see that as being the primary issue at the moment is it's cool to say that you care about climate change. It's trendy to say that you bring your yes. own cup or your own straw. Yeah. And, that's, and it's important that that happens. And it's yeah. important that sustainability becomes I'll use the word sexy, but cool. Like it's yeah. something that, that is desirable and that other people see as a kind of a social way of communicating a particular value. Great. All for it. But, you know, there was, there was a study that showed that for every one article that talks about the solution to climate change, there are 80 that talks about the problem. Now, mm. that might have shifted over the last couple of years is an old kind of study that I'm quoting here or old mm. kind of, uh, um, you know, metric. But nonetheless, that still feels true to me. Yeah, it's it much still feels very true to me that we do not have enough content talking about the solution. It's easier to talk about the problems than it is the solution. And yeah. of course, we need to talk about the problems because a lot of people still need to wake up. They don't know the problems, but that's, you know, my focus is I talk about the problem only as much as is needed to get the point across. And then the rest of the energy goes into, OK, you agree there's a problem. Now yeah, here is what you can do about it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I mean, that's what I'm constantly sitting 
I was going to say at home, but I don't have a home anymore. So wherever I'm sitting, <laughs> I'm constantly like, as I walked over here, I'm thinking, how can I crack people's heads open? I'm just constantly trying to think, how can I really shake people up in a way where they get it, but then they feel like they need to actually take action. So I can, I need to, I need to do that. Like, you know, wham, where, but then where, then I give them the solutions in a way they feel like they can do it where tomorrow they're, they go out and they plant a seed and actually grow something or, you know, tomorrow they now know how to buy food from local farmers rather than going to the big box store and getting everything packaged in long distance. Or, you know, maybe they wake up to the fact that, yeah, I don't need designer clothes and, and makeup and, and I actually could be comfortable with myself. So that's what I'm really trying to do is shake people up through these extreme projects and then get them started. And, you know, I kind of think of it as gateways. Mm -hmm. So switching over to a reusable water bottle from plastic bottles is a minuscule change. But it's a gateway into larger changes. And then every time you're holding that, you can be thinking about it and feeling that slight bit of empowerment. And then the goal is that it'll be another change and another change and another change. One change isn't enough, but one change hopefully can empower them to, you know, keep on making more. So that's what I'm, that's what I try to do with, with the work. Mm -hmm. Have you seen the, um, do you know who Mr. Beast is on YouTube? Okay. So there's, there's this guy, he's the fastest growing YouTuber. I think he has like 29 million subscribers, but they did a, they did this, um, He's known for like these ridiculous stunts. Mm. He mainly gives away a ton of money. Okay. He's he's phenomenal at like like ordering a pizza and tipping the guy ten thousand dollars. Okay, like dude, crazy little little stunts like that. But he does it like weekly at this yeah. point. It's all the like it's incredible what he's okay. been able to do. And he started a uh, campaign called Twenty Million Trees. He got twenty million huh. subscribers, and he somebody challenged him in the comments to plant 20 million trees okay and apparently like they've raised enough money a dollar oh. equals a tree kind of thing right yeah they've raised 16 million dollars so they've planted about 16 17 million trees i don't know where exactly where they're at with yeah. it right now but he's an example of someone who used the stunt to kind of mobilize yeah a whole slew of things and People are going to use that. Like Elon Musk donated a million dollars, or I think it was a million bucks, or a hundred thousand. Yeah. yeah some, and then somebody donated like a million and one yeah. or whatever it is to kind of like, huh. you know, and there's PR involved in that, right? Yeah. Like, obviously, yeah. the fact that I just named that says Elon Musk, green, yeah. there's a brand association, all the things that go with that. And I think that's okay. Yeah. I think it's necessary, in fact. But uh, at least from a corporate business lens, it's they're going to see it as necessary for them to kind of see why they should put money and energy into something right now mm-hmm. versus kind of kicking the can down the road, which is, I think, what, we, what we're seeing all the time. What, what stunt do you think that you've done or what work that you've done got the closest to cracking people? Like, wh- where do you feel? Because I feel like what, the year you just did, I think you proved something really powerful to yourself. But I know that the average person is going to be like, well, wait a second here. I get that. I can't do that. It's too, it's too far of a leap. Right. But I think the dumpster diving thing, I think wakes people up. But again, the leap is far because they're like, I don't really want to go into the dumpster. Where, where are you seeing signs of kind of progress in this gateways that you're creating? 
Well, pretty much everything that I've done has worked to an extent. Um, you know, I get messages from people just all the time where they say, I saw you do this four years ago, and now this is where I am today after seeing that and then making changes. For some people, they do send me a message and say, I watched your dumpster diving video, and now 100% of my food pretty much it. comes from the dumpster. Or other people, you know, saw that I grew in you know, foraged all my food for a year and then they started their first garden mm. or, you know, the fact that I whittled my life down to just fitting in a backpack. People in five bedroom houses saw that and they, they got the empowerment to start whittling away at how much stuff they have. And, you know, some of them now live in a van from a five bedroom house. So mm -hmm. I do see extreme change. I mean, it's kind of interesting for me, I've been doing this for um, eight years now. And so it's pretty fun to meet people that say, I've been following you for six years. Mm -hmm. Since my first project, they say, I've been following you since that. And, you know, literally you have helped me shift my mind on so many topics. And still today, you're covering different topics. So still today, I'm, I'm learning. Him. So, I mean, that's pretty much what keeps me going. The only reason I'm still going is because I have enough people tell me that that I have truly positively impacted their life. And at the same time, very few people tell me that I'm destroying their life. Mm. If, I, if I had just as many people telling me that, well, you actually are ruining lives, mm. but I don't, I don't, I don't. Like my goal is to improve quality of life in a way that I'm not um, taking quality of life elsewhere. Like as a, an example of that, you know, some people it's Christmas time. What will they do? They're going to go and they're going to buy shoes for kids. Mm -hmm. Well, what if those shoes are made by kids working in slave labor in another place? Mm -hmm. Those people feel great because they're helping these kids. But what if you're actually just as well harming other kids here? Mm. So my big focus is how can I improve quality of life without decreasing quality of life elsewhere? Um, and that's a tricky thing. It's, you have to think a lot deeper, yeah. which kind of goes back to the environmental movement currently is that most of it just doesn't think deeply. Like I would like to know, I mean, when I see these plant, uh, tree planting campaigns, where they're going to plant 20 million trees and they're a dollar a piece, I've planted trees. I don't know how they really do it for a dollar a piece and actually expect a high success rate. Mm. Like I wonder out of 20 million trees at a dollar a piece, how many of those How are actually going to survive? Are we talking about planting like little one inchers mm -hmm. where you have, where a deer can eat, you know, 50 in an hour? I don't know. But then, so I don't know. Everything's, everything's so much more complicated yeah. than, it, than it seems. It did 100%. 100%. I, I've seen, so I met the, the owners of Tentry this year. Okay. I, I went to an event and, and they were kind of, there and i got to like really ask them i'm like do you guys like really know that these trees are going in the ground and they're like actually yes yeah we go in these cool. tree planting things and we know particular areas and and they were inspired mainly through some of the things that happened with the wildfires mm. in their area the guy the original founder is from uh british columbia okay and so you know i think they were inspired by different layers of these things and i think that people are finding ways to to do this but i agree with you that the the tree planted campaign stuff, you know, it, I mean, it, it, I think it's great. Like, look, I love that a YouTuber 
he doesn't have to do this. Yeah. Somebody gives him a challenge of finding a way to plant 20 million trees, and the guy finds literally within 60 days, whatever it is, 45 days, goes and raises $17 million. Yeah. He's a kid. He's a 21-year-old. Wow. On YouTube. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm impressed. Yeah, I'm, I'm really impressed. I'm really impressed yeah. with what he was able to do and other YouTubers he was able to inspire. And I think that there's, there's, um, there's kind of a culture right now where the youth is paying attention very deeply on social media. And I know you're no stranger to this, right? You you make content with it. You, you support other people who make content around it. I've been seeing you share a lot of stuff with the story of stuff, and I would love to know more about what you're doing there and what's going on. But, you know, uh, and I love their work and, and what they're all about. Um, but the there's something to be said about now the influence of what Instagram and Facebook and, you know, Twitter and all these things are having on the way that the youth see see this. Mm -hmm. And I think for the first time ever, we get to participate in the narrative, right? Because back in the day, the narrative was whatever you saw on ABC or CNN or Fox or whatever, that's, that's kind of painted the picture of your reality. I think today that's changed. Yeah. What, do you, what is the role that you see that social media is playing in, in shifting that narrative war? Because I know you participate in it in some yeah. ways. I mean, the content you make lives there and it, it spreads there and, yeah. and it's a, a huge part of your kind of platform, let's say. Yeah. Um, how do you feel that's happening? And do you still feel like that that's still working? Is it, is it kind of gotten to a point of saturation? Like where, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Social media has its pros and cons. I mean, at one time, in in one vein, I think that social media is is one of the greatest destroyers of our generation, losing attention span, you know, inability to really connect with the world, complete addiction to these screens, and inability to connect. We see, you know, depression at all time highs, according to some studies, mm -hmm. and. I mean, just on a personal level, my vocabulary is not as good. My spelling is not as good. I think it reduces the ability for critical thinking and problem solving. Mm -hmm. And and I'm actually pretty decent with my social media <laughs> compared to some people. So totally. I think it's one of our, it could be one of the greatest demises. I don't know if that's a word mm -hmm. to our society, but at the same time, it's one of the ultimate equalizers and the ultimate connectors. And it is the way to more freely spread information in a, as you would say, democratic way where every person has the opportunity for a voice. So it's, it's tricky. I mean, for me personally, when I, I think it's all about balance, we have to use these things wisely. The other challenging thing is that, you know, the other day I was scrolling through Instagram. I went onto one of the hashtags like environment or something. 95% mm -hmm. of it was garbage content. And when I looked at and I saw 10,000 likes, 5,000 likes, and I saw this is what a majority of people, when they're being exposed to environment, environment this okay. is what they're seeing. Mm. Unfortunately, it's a lot of highly misguided, short-sighted, narrow-minded thinking that's designed for virality. Mm -hmm. And so almost it's in, it's difficult because I would almost say in many ways that social media is creating an uneducated environmental movement mm. that doesn't really understand the problems. It doesn't go into the intricacies that, that is the reality. So I, I can't say anything definitively. I, it's got its pros and cons, and I don't know whether overall 
it would be helping or hurting. It does both at the same time. It definitely does. Yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely some obvious pros, but there's definitely some serious cons. Um, what's next for you in terms of stories or challenges or, you know, like how, how do you feel? I mean, I know it's, it's such a, it's such a typical question to come. Like you just finished one challenge now, what's the next one? But I know that I'm, I'm certain that you're the type of person who's already pondering something. Um, and I would love to know about like, what was some of the highest struggles that you had in this year as well? Like I would love to go into depth of, you know, what's the thing you crave the most or what's the, what's the one time you felt the weakest and you were like, oh, maybe this is the wrong move or, yeah. you know what I mean? I'd love to hear a little bit more about that, but. Sure. Um, well, first, what's next, as far as next. Um, so yeah, that project was so immersive. I mean, a year is a, a year is a long time with a project to that, you know, to that level, no eating over at a friend's house with their food, no buying anything at a grocery store or restaurant, like literally definitely changes your social life for sure yeah every it changed so much and so it was i thought afterwards what i really wanted to do is relax Mm -hmm. maybe on a beach for a couple of months (laughs) but instead i'm just invigorated i want to be out there like you know here i am in montreal i'm supposed to be at a beach in a warm place just (laughs) relaxing after that year but you're in december in montreal is a far cry from that beach yeah Uh i'll give you that but so basically what I'm doing right now is I'm trying to break free from two things, social media. Mm-hmm. And then I've always been trying to break free from the need for material possessions. Mm. Um, I guess, I don't know how to put it exactly, but I'm trying to connect deeply to just simply existing mm-hmm. and removing all of these things that prevent us from really connecting with our bare selves. So for me, one of the ways of doing that is through not owning a lot of things and mm-hmm. not creating an image through accessories, through material possessions and such. So right now, my I'm working on getting everything I own to fit into a small backpack, like a small one right now it all fits into a big duffel bag a very heavy duffel when i left florida a week and a half ago i left with like a 60 pound giant duffel bag (laughs) and it was miserable i've already got down to like half the weight Mm. and then on december 22nd in san diego Mm -hmm. i'm having an event where i'm going to lay out everything that i own onto a blanket at the beach and the idea is I've invited people to come take the stuff and I will walk away from there with just a small backpack owning just a very few things. And I I haven't been able to break free from some of these things. Hmm. And this is the only way that I'm going to be able to do it. And I'm, I don't know what I'm going to walk away with. It's going to be an, it's an experiment for me. Um, but, and it's one that I have slight nervousness about because I've never gotten my life down to that level of simplicity. But so that's kind of what's next. I'm trying, I dream of owning absolutely nothing, like just, just pure existence, wherever I need to go, just moving in that direction. Like, like going, literally just going from the perspective of like, almost like a, to to champion a name that I think people will know, like a Bear Grylls, go out into the wilderness and just every day is a new adventure. Yeah. Except for me, it's more of an immersion in humanity. 
So, you know, I used to be into survival and I still, you know, think that survival is important. We have to be able to survive. But for me, sure. like, I'm not trying to become independent of humanity because one of my big messages is that we need to learn to share. You know, yeah. we live on this earth. In the past, it was easy to think that the earth was this expansive, infinite place and it had everything we need and that there was no way we could possibly damage it. Mm -hmm. I mean, if it, it is you true You never that, consume enough. Like from your own perspective, the, there's no way that would, you individually or anyone you knew could, could ever consume enough that it would ever have that big as, of an As a humanity, yeah. the oceans were infinite. Yeah. Everything was infinite, but yeah. now, I mean, it didn't. It wasn't that long ago that the the idea of traveling around the world most likely would kill you if you decided to do it. Yeah. Now, anybody with a credit card mm -hmm. can fly yeah. around the entire globe in forty eight hours and get fatter while doing it with an almost zero percent chance mm -hmm. of any risk. Mm -hmm. So that is an example of just how ridiculously small this place is. This Earth that we live on is tiny in the grand scheme of things now we know that the resources are finite and now we know that we are pillaging it in a way that it's total eco ecosystem collapse yes and but the interesting thing is that when you really you when we know that which you and i do and most of the people watching this and listening to this what we realize is that we are a we are neighbors, like even people on the other side of the world, we are neighbors on this very small, mm -hmm. this very small planet that we live on. And so I don't have any desire to be independent from humanity because I think independence is a complete delusion. That is the apathy. That is, that is like, it's not apathy, but it, it's part of it, it. We can't all do it. The seven and a half billion people can't run in every direction. And then we all have our own little corner of the world here. That's, that's not going to work. We're going to yeah. have to collaborate. In the past, sure. before we knew, yeah. But today, and so, you know, I guess that's, for me, it's that money is an example. Money makes people think they're independent because mm -hmm. they can just pass over the money for whatever goods or service they want. And mm -hmm. then they can think that they earned everything, they worked for everything, and that they're completely independent. Mm -hmm. But the reality is there's somebody on the other side of all of those things. So for me... Like by stripping my life back to absolutely nothing, one of the main messages is I want to, sh it's for me, it's embracing my dependence on humanity, which in American society, we're kind of raised to be independent, that you don't need anyone else. I can do everything on my own. And, and it's, also, it's literally the culture. Yeah. Freedom and independence are like two words that I would associate to American, uh, I'll call it propaganda, at least. American, the American narrative contains those two words incredibly powerfully. Yeah. More than any other country in the world, in my opinion. And today, I think the only way we can really have true freedom is by working together mm -hmm. with our local communities and our global communities. So for me, like, that's what I'm currently just excited about running through my mind, just removing the material possessions from my life to an extreme to get people, you know, shock people that are living in five bedroom houses and have tens of thousands of possessions or even an apartment with hundreds of, or thousands of possessions. And just thinking about, do we really need all those things? But also just breaking free from these delusions that we have of, of independence when, you know, we are totally dependent upon each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. I mean, I, I find it, I'm at the, I'm put it this way. I'm at the peak of 
what I would consider to be the um, the amount of stuff that is in my life. Mm. And I think a lot of my time is spent in this balance between, do I really need this? But also my, my, it's almost like my will to communicate it as loudly as possible is this, is this part of this megaphone that makes me think about it. And like, even when you coming here, I was like, fuck, I've got all this like beautiful podcast gear and all this stuff. Like this is far from sustainable, right? If everyone had this, yeah. it would be a problem. Yeah. The point is though, how much do, how much am I contributing to the solution by trying to like really communicate the story of what you do or yeah. the story of what Valhalla is trying to, trying to create, which for those of you who don't know, I'm involved in a, in, in building an eco village. We have a 66 acre property that we're looking to transform into homesteads that would build a community of 150 people. Why 150 people? Dunbar's number. It's a study okay. that says that about 150 people is the amount of contacts or people that you can feel like you could build real true trust and relationships with and kind of keep up with uh, without having, I guess, apathy or kind of disconnection from those people, yeah. right? Um, or as, it's not to say you won't like dislike them, but you will still yeah. at least know that community and participate in that community. Yep. This journey for me, everything I know about content, everything I know about social media, everything I know about raising money on, on Kickstarter, everything I know about sustainability came with the narrative of me watching a ton of documentaries, mm. realizing that all these documentaries did change my perspective. They did yeah. empower me. They did make me go out into the middle of that GMO cornfield and plant that tree. They did make me learn about earthships and permaculture and, and, and uh, compost teas and all these things. And, and most of that information I'm learning from YouTube. Yeah. YouTube University is a massive resource. Yep. And at the same time, very rare, very, very rare that there's a trending video that talks about those things mm. because the trending videos aren't that. They're yeah. very different, let's yep. say, right? Yeah. They're memes or they're, 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 they're comedy or they're fail videos or they're makeup tutorials or whatever it is. Yeah. But I truly struggle with, do I scrap the possessions do i go essentially in the direction you're going and you're you're moving that to the extreme because i think you can and and i think it's part of the the experiments that you do with yourself and i love that um and the choice that i made recent more recently is let me go to the full extreme of what it would take for me not to live a life of consumerism but what would it take for me to to try and build the the biggest machine that could be the loudest of megaphones mm. and what does that look like and i've spent a lot of time learning about the algorithms, learning about trying to build community that would actually come together and share messages. Like the first mastermind that we, when we, when we met each other in Costa Rica, the first mastermind that I created was with that intention. Like how do I bring the founder of futurism and the founder of collective evolution and have them communicate so that their content would live together. And that some of the things that are communicated in this side, and if some of the things are communicated in that side, you kind of cross pollinate a little bit. Um, and and I don't know that, I, I guess I, I don't know that any of it is right or wrong in any yeah. direction, but it, but I definitely struggle with the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's understandable. I do too. I mean, it's like, you know, one way of looking at it is transitional ethics. We need, we, we can't live out our ethics perfectly no. to create the change that we want because that would 
basically make it impossible to spread the message. Yeah. Some people think that the most powerful thing I could do is go live in a cabin in the woods and just live it out fully. And I, in a part, in a way I agree, but I don't think that would make the biggest impact. Definitely not. But I don't know. You, you just zoom a lot, you zoom out even further and it's, we don't even know what a human is, you know, and like what, if, if we have free will, mm-hmm. if you and I are choosing the words we're saying <laughs> right now, if, mm-hmm. if. Uh, we are a simulation theory, mm-hmm. or not? We are a simulation a, theory. If we a are game, a simulation, is this a game that's playing out, and and we're we just, just in a video know. game, or is this the Matrix? Is it not? Yeah, we just don't know anything. Which is why part of me doesn't take any most things fully seriously because I know that huma- that life is a state of delusion. I think we know that. I think we know that life is a state of delusion. I think we're trying to convince ourselves that it's not all, at all times. I think people are, but I think it's a full state of delusion. Mm-hmm. I, I think, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that we think we're sitting still right now when we know we're moving at We know we're vibrating. Miles. We know we're flying through space in some way, shape, yeah. or form. And according to quantum physics, I'm not touching, touching this table t- yeah. and this table's not... So when... And I believe a lot of that. So if that's the case, then you can only take things so seriously because we know that we are a complete state of delusion. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Everything's kind of tricky when you kind of zoom further back out. Yeah. But when way. you get to that level, it's like, well, then everything's okay. That's one even way. The sing- even the single use plastics and are I, okay. I don't completely disagree with that. I like I, anybody who has that philosophy, I, I don't shut them down. Yeah. I started, I, I went down a rabbit hole around what the word natural means. Right. In just like in the, in the terms of, is it natural that plastic, like somebody would say that plastics aren't natural. They're synthetic, right? Yeah. They're, they're, they're a, a, a fabrication. Yeah. True. But they come from this world. Yeah. They do come from this world. It's a different, Every, everything, everything that is here that I have ever interacted with came from this world. Yeah. It, therefore it's natural. Yeah. It happened. It yeah. occurred. Right. Like, and I'm not trying to say it's good. I, I, I'm, I clearly don't support single-use plastics as much as I possibly can. And at the same time, I clearly do in some ways, right? This came in a box and yeah. it came in a, some plastic somewhere was wrapped in and many of the things that I've touched. And even if I, even if I don't want it to, somebody just un- unwrapped it from the plastic before me and then handed it to me without, it, without the plastic. I know that that's true. I yeah. know that that's happening, essentially. I do agree... I, I love that you that you focused on food because I do agree that that's the one thing that we all do all the time, every day, that if we can, if that's gateway, if we go through that gateway and understand where our food came from and, and build food that is grown right next to us mm-hmm. and, and build that ecosystem around us, I believe that just that alone connects us back to nature in a, big, in a, deep, in a yeah. very powerful way. And back to nature being... forests and and whatever right um i think that that is where the most likely solutions need to find themselves and today i wrote a kind of story i went and did ayahuasca uh, i'm assuming you're familiar but for those who aren't um ayahuasca is a plant medicine that was used in traditional um, you know, settings by indigenous people of, of mainly the lands of the Amazon, right? It comes from the kind of Amazonian areas. It's combining two plants and, and you take this and it kind of have a, has a psychedelic effect. It releases DMT in your brain and all these things. 
long story short, it's, it's, it's kind of a spiritual uh, practice of a spiritual awakening. And the, the main thing that came for me out of that experience is that I felt like I reconnected to nature again. It, it brought me back to my, my, my purpose, right? Which is in a, then the highest of levels, I kind of say, why simply because I, why do I do what I do simply because, but the, but in the more practical, like day to day, it's about building some form of impact, some form of legacy that says, Hey, I, I did what I could. I did what I could with what I had. Yeah. And I, I hopefully inspired a generation of, of the next people behind me or the people who watched whatever it is that I created or who consumed it in some way, shape or form, or who saw it or felt it or heard the story of it, that they maybe shifted one degree or maybe they shifted half a degree in, in another direction. And it made them start to think and, and to question. Um, and I believe that that's, that's the most potent seed you can plant in someone else. But the shift that it kind of started to instill in me is that most of the way that I was trying to deal with building the solutions, quote unquote, that I'm trying to be a part of, I was still playing the game of like the normal capitalistic game in some way, shape or form. And I, I thought to myself that the most radical thing that we can do at our farm is to do a pay what you want or pay what you can model mm. that the number one way that i can change the game is to just say like hey we're growing food and it's available for anyone who comes and takes it yeah and anybody who's willing to come and take it hey we're just gonna like ask that we can look you in the eye and shake your hand you don't have to pay for it you know it's, it's not it doesn't have to be a money thing yeah um it just has to be something that you know there was an energetic to it yeah there was a love and care that went into it and that somehow, and we, we hope that you would contribute back to that in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. And that, to me, feels like a game B scenario. It feels like that's like, it's only through some of these extremes that we're going to find maybe the next, the next quantum leap. Like the leap into a, just a different way of thinking. Yeah. And, and I do believe technology has a very important part to play in this. You know, like I was having a whole conversation with somebody yesterday about why Tesla is, from an automotive perspective, the most innovative company. And it's not because they make electric cars. It's because they are building autonomous cars. It's actually that that will change the need for us to own cars in the first place. Mm. And it will change the effectiveness that transportation gets to have. And I think we can go deeper than that. I mean, I think they what they want to do with the boring company and building kind of mass transit and systems that are powerful with that. And they had looked at hyperloops and all these other things. I, I think there's such beautiful um, lessons to be found. And what I liked about what I like about somebody like an Elon Musk is the way that he thinks with a kind of a first principle thinking, which is it's thinking about things as a systemic level and a long-term thinking level that I believe we suffer from. Mm. I, I believe that the biggest challenge that we have is that we are conditioned to think short-term. Definitely one of our biggest challenges. We, we don't think very long-term at all. Yeah. And years seems like a long time, but we know it's... But the fruit trees you planted that you're not eating the fruits of yet, right? The fruit tree that I planted eight years ago in the middle of that GMO cornfield, I had the first apple this year. 
Oh, you, when you, you know mean, what I mean? Like when you mean GMO cornfield, you don't mean one that was still being used. I mean one that the previous season was being oh, used I, as a cornfield. This whole time I was like, you know that the next year the Columbines just tore that tree down as they planted more corn. No, 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 no. Okay. No, no, no. We we so we oh, came in and took over the field. Good to know. Yeah, 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 yeah. We I went in the middle of the field, planted a tree, but then turned that tree that yep. that field into what is now a, f- a restoring yeah. ecosystem. Cool. It's got many trees and wildlife, yep. and we have bees. We okay. have—I mean, it's a whole system. I didn't just go into the field and hope that the next that the that the tractor didn't just run it over yeah. the next year. Of course, he did. That it would have sense. No, no, it, it's now fully a, a, a new ecosystem, mm. and we yeah. had to restore the soil, and it took years to do that, and you know, still yeah. working on it. To be honest, uh, you know, and anybody who really farms knows that you're farming soil more than you're farming plants. Yeah. Um, but the, but you know, the the long term thinking. Yeah. Is is really the lesson I've pulled away from it. What, you know, lessons are you kind of starting to come away with? Like, what are, what are some of the deeper layers beyond just, okay, don't use plastics. And uh, the average person who lives in New York uses a ton of garbage. What are, what are some of the, what do you feel, you know, if somebody who's listening to this and we're coming towards the end of, the, of our, of our time here, what's the lesson you let somebody walk away with, or that maybe you've come to that, that goes a la- layer deeper than maybe, um, what a random viral Facebook video would say. I mean, I guess right now for me, what I think that most people can benefit from is just knowing that, that nothing is black and white and that, you know, anything that's posed as black and white online is probably incorrect mm. because everything is, you know, far more complex and, and, and things are just much more diverse and intricate than that. I think that if, if people just decided if they just abolished this idea of black and white thinking, I think that would be a huge step forward Mm. in what we're doing and, and labels, you know, like, you know, labels like vegan or zero waste. um, Those are helpful because they give something, something they give people things to attach to and create identity around. But the problem is they create a false identity because you put so much energy it, you can say, well, I'm vegan, so I can feel good about my life. But it's only a form of delusion to do that because the reality is, is that our lives are destroying animal species in, in many ways beyond our, how we directly use them. Mm-hmm. So basically, I mean, I, I guess if, I would just love to see people think more critically and... Um, use labels and, and pigeonholing a lot less and just have, have much more honest conversations with themselves and with people around them. Mm. Beautiful. Beautiful. And I think the most human way, um, the, most, the best way to build a movement is to also to admit the, the challenges of where we struggle with it. And so what... You know, in in this last year that you spent foraging, where where were the points of of contention? Where were the points of challenge and struggle? Like, where where are the things that you're still working on today too? So that somebody knows that, you know, Rob, super amazing guy when it comes to you know sustainability and doing all these things, and yeah. at the same time, like you said, you're you're still struggling with some of the possessions that you have, even though you're down to way less than what most people have. 
where you know where do you still feel like where's the where's your next edge um mm-hmm. i mean you've mentioned the, the possessions piece but um was there a particular edge that you maybe bumped up against in 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 that year or whatever well you know there's plenty of things in that year but just as far as the idea of growing and foraging all my food but in the bigger picture i mean for me one of my biggest challenges is is that i'm have some form of addiction to to social media I guess it's also just an addiction to, to, um, productivity mm-hmm. and not honoring the, the long walk or the, the fresh air as much as I should. So, I mean, that balance of living truly in the present versus the constant productivity of online, of, of email, social media and such, that's something that I'm always working with and that I hope to overcome. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing for me is just making sure that my work is really not coming from a place of of privilege and making sure that it's actually accessible. Like, you know, in the zero waste movement, for example, so much of the content is, that's being put out is really just geared towards people with enough money who live in, you know, middle and upper income areas and one and of those types of like special grocery stores where you can buy everything without packaging is available. There's a, there's lots of things that help that. Yes. Yeah. Not like, and a lot of people, they don't realize they're doing that because they've never lived in an area where there is no, where there is nothing but you, you know, a corporate grocery store mm-hmm. or a Walmart or something like that. Mm-hmm. So for me, I mean, that's my constant battle is making sure that the work that I'm doing is actually really applicable to, to everyone mm-hmm. and not just to the privileged group of people. And, and that's a challenging, that's a very challenging thing to do because it, you have to think a lot more, you have to understand many more perspectives, you have to bring much, many more people to the table. It's a lot more, it's a lot more challenging and it requires more thinking and it requires more work. So, but that's a focus of mine and something that i you know, I'm putting a lot of my thought and energy into and hope to only always move forward in that regard. Sometimes I, I've been focusing on that for a few years now and sometimes I get stagnant. And so continuing to move forward and making sure that, um, that, that that is done well, Mm -hmm. those would probably be too much. Yeah. Those would be the The two two things that I've, yeah. Beautiful. Anything yeah. else you want to share or say? Any messages? Anything you want to let people know where they can find more, what you're doing, uh, where they can learn about some of the, the exploits that you've taken or the challenges you've taken on, anything like that? Well, December 22nd, San Diego. Um, it's uh, I can't remember. What did I say? The end of Saratoga? If you go to my Facebook, Instagram, either of those, you'll see where I say the address. Come meet me there, 2 o'clock. Mm. come take home a possession of mine with you (laughs) help me um and then other than that yeah i mean i do i do post a lot online youtube facebook and instagram are the places i'm the most active so Mm -hmm. people can join me there and my website is definitely got a lot of information on it yeah of just wait you know it's solution focused there's hundreds of pages of of how you can people can be the change they wish to see in the world so join that and um and then just get out in your community, you know, after, maybe after this is over, turn this off and go, <laughs> go outside, hug a tree, 
Do take it. Take some fresh air, swim in a pond, mm-hmm. you know, hug people, try to get your eight to 10, 12 hugs in a day. Go gorilla garden. I love that one. Plant too. some plant stuff. Some yeah. Stuff. As Ron Finley yeah. says, it- I don't swear, but he says, plant some shit. He's one of my favorite guys. <laughs> that was my one or two swear words of the month you just got right there. Oh, so. there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, look, I think Ron Finley's done, done some great, oh, some great that. work in his, in his messages. He's also a, a former guest on the podcast as well. Cool. Um, Yeah. Well, thank you, man. Thank yeah. you for doing everything you do. And thank you for, for living it to the fullest and, and for being just a student of life in that way. You know what I mean? I think it's noble. And I know you've inspired a lot of people. You've definitely inspired me. And you've made me start to think more. Um, I, ironically, you've radicalized the way I want to express some of the things that I believe um, that, that I stand for and that, that, that I value and that I know many around me value as well. So good to yeah. hear. Thanks a lot. Keep on expressing. And yeah. Thanks for all these devices <laughs> that we could use to spread the word today. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So for those of you, all the links in the comments below, make sure to comment, like, share, doing all of those things. And here's why I tell you to do this. You got all the way here. If you go, if you listen to this whole thing, it means it, it had value for you and it probably has value for somebody in your life. And this is the way that these movements get to, to kind of spread. Not because I believe I have the answer, but because, well, maybe there's something inspiring for someone in your life and what you're doing. So um, tune in, subscribe, like, comment. Let me know if there's any questions you might have. Leave them down below and I'll make sure myself or Rob sees them. And uh, love you all.